when we are too consumed with what we think we deserve, we miss out on what we have been freely given. The problem with thinking in terms of what is deserved and undeserved is that when we fail to meet it, there's shame. When we think we meet it, when we really do not, there's pride. Hi everyone, welcome to Not So Secular. My name is Mon Reyes, I'm a Catholic lay missionary here in the Philippines and I will be your host here today. I'd like to start this off by saying that if you find this podcast valuable, the content that we put out here, if you find it helpful for you or for someone that you know, the people around you, I want to invite you, I want to ask you to support us. You can do that by giving us a donation through ko-fi.com slash secular. I want to be completely transparent with you. I want to be able to give more of my time and energy into making this podcast, into writing and recording it. As you see, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of effort also. And I want to be able to improve what we're doing here, not just continue, but improve. And one way that you can take part in how that could happen is with your support, with your financial support. That is why I put up this platform on Kofi. This podcast is all about exploring the sacred and the seemingly secular, and I do that particularly from the lens of a Filipino Catholic. And I believe that you know this is one way that we are reaching people, either people who would want to grow deeper into their faith or people who are exploring a little bit from the outside but might be too intimidated to enter into a church yet and to enter into a, some sort of catechism class yet. And uh, that is part of what we try to do here. And we are not looking for a few big donors. Instead, we are looking for the many people who find value in the work that we do here who are willing to support in the capacity that they can. May that be big or small. Your giving will be very much appreciated and it will help us out in continuing and improving the work that we do here on this show. If you do decide to donate, you will gain access to priority privileges when it comes to asking questions and suggesting topics. You will also have access to future exclusive content that we are working on right now. So again, that's ko-fi.com slash not-so-secular. ko-fi.com slash not-so-secular. You can find the link in the description. Moving on. Last week, I met with my Bible study group. You see, I am leading this small group of students through a Bible study. And we meet only every other week. And we are currently going through an overview of the story of the Bible. And we are doing that by using some of the big characters as reference points for us to navigate and explore. So we started by talking about Adam and Eve and then the story of Noah and then the story of Abraham. Right now, we are currently in the story of Moses. Moses is a prophet sent by God to set his people free from slavery in Egypt. You can find his story in the book of Exodus, the second book of the Old Testament. So we are moving from the Old Testament to the New Testament, exploring the story of the Bible as a whole through these characters. And Moses, it's a very, it's a very rich story. If you haven't seen it yet, there's this movie called Prince of Egypt. It is one of my favorite movies. I, I, I could say that it's my favorite movie that is based 
on a biblical story. I like it better than The Passion of the Christ, although I like that too. And, you know, the standard for Christian movies isn't that high also because you don't find a lot of good Christian content out there, unfortunately. But Prince of Egypt is one of those. For me, it's one of those movies that I could watch over and over. I watched it originally when I was a child and now as an adult, I could see it again. And it's super, still super cool. And it doesn't get all of the right details, but I think it captures the heart of the story, which is why I love it. And so Prince of Egypt, Go check that out. But basically, si Moses, he is a survivor. He is an Israelite. And during this time, the Israelites were under slavery in Egypt because Egypt was threatened by the growing power of the Israelites. They, they were growing in population, particularly. And so the Pharaoh at, at that time had them go through harsh labor so that they could be they could be put down and it, it was it was not just that they were also some of their little boys were massacred also because they were trying to again cut off their possible growing military power and so the little kids guys particularly the little boys were slain and Moses was one of the survivors of that massacre fortunately he is saved he grows up you know finds out about his israelite past and after a certain series of events, he finds himself running away from Egypt into a distant land. And this is where we find the story of Exodus chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, the Lord, in the form of the burning bush, meets with Moses and asks him. And this is how it goes. This is kind of a summarized version already. But God basically says, I have witnessed the affliction of my people and heard their cry. I know what they are suffering. I have come to rescue them and lead them to the promised land, a better land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Their outcry has reached me. So, go. I am sending you. And we talked about this in our very first episode, about when God does something, He does it through people. God has heard the affliction of, of His people in Egypt as they were being enslaved. God wants to do something for them. And what does God do? He sends someone on his behalf. And again, you can, you can listen to more about that discussion in our first episode if you haven't yet. But you see, what I want to explore here in this episode is how Moses responds. Because Moses, I think understandably, objects. In fact, he objects five times. Today, we'll only look at two. And here's the first. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 11 to 12, it says... But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you, and this will be your sign that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will serve God at this mountain. And during our study, we focused on that, that exchange, because it's very interesting, diba? Notice, notice the focus of Moses' question in contrast with the focus of God's answer, what does Moses ask? What does Moses ask the Lord? Well, Moses is being sent by God to do this great task. And what does Moses say? Moses says, who am I? Who am I that I should do this? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and, and set the Israelites free? Who am I? But how does God respond? God says, I will be with you. It's as if God doesn't even recognize of course he does but it's as if 
God bypasses the concern of Moses. Because Moses is asking, who am I? But what does God say? God says, I will be with you. It's as if he's saying, yes, I am sending you, but I am with you. And you are not going in there alone. And so what we did in our study, in our Bible study, is we drew some reflections on that and our experiences of having that kind of tension, you know, about doubting ourselves and God reassuring us, reassuring us by reminding us of who He is. And then there's this one member, one of the, one of the members um, of our Bible study shared. You see, she is a worship leader and outside of ministry, she is also a performer. And she mentioned a bit about that feeling of unworthiness that creeps in at times. Because you see, as a worship leader, you are on the platform, you're on the stage, and you you are leading, you know, leading a, a group of people, leading them into prayer, leading them to connect with the Lord. And this is something that I have also heard in different ways from different people. There's this doubt that creeps in sometimes. Should I really be doing this? Am I the right person to lead and serve? And this is especially true for certain people who might have had regrets in their past, who might have had struggles that they had to overcome in their past, or maybe even present struggles. We think about these things. Am I worthy? Am I the right person for this role? Like Moses, we could ask, who am I? I really think that this way of thinking is a very real temptation for people in ministry. And I understand why that is so because we don't want to be hypocrites. We don't want to be we don't want to be standing in front of other people leading them telling them to have a relationship with the Lord, to go and repent and to, you know, straighten up your lives and so on. But what thinking all the while that we don't even do that ourselves or that maybe there are some things in our past that are that still have a hold on us that keep us, you know, from fully surrendering to the Lord. So it's understandable why people would struggle with things like this. And so, so she started sharing about how it's important about that you, you know that you do it for Jesus and that that's an important reminder to have regularly as much as possible, know who you're doing it for. And that that struggle is what I wanted to, what I want to focus here, to highlight here. In this episode, that struggle between pride and unworthiness. Because I think it is easy for us to go into one of two extremes. Right? One extreme is arrogance and the other extreme is insecurity. If I remember correctly, I got some of these reflections from Reverend Timothy Keller. He's a Presbyterian pastor. He talks about how one is oriented to temptation and then the other is accusation. The first makes you think too highly of yourself. The second makes you think too lowly of yourself. But you see, both of those both lead to condemnation. And what I'd like to highlight here, and what I also mentioned to, to our group after she shared that, is that it can be easy for us to think of those two as opposites. But there's arrogance and then there's insecurity. But you see, they're not that far from each other as we might think. It might look different from how it's expressed because one tends to be more loud and boisterous and too full of himself and then that's that's arrogance. But on the side of insecurity, you find someone who feels unworthy, who feels ashamed, who doesn't want to step up, who might be more timid. And so arrogance and insecurity seems like they're on two opposite poles. But if, if we want to 
understand this better, diba? it helps to see where it's rooted because arrogance and insecurity actually share a common root. Where does it come from? They are both rooted in thinking too much of yourself. You see, both of those are about you. Arrogance is about you. Insecurity is about you. It's just that on one side, you think you measure up. On the other side, you think you don't. Again, arrogance makes you think too highly of yourself. And insecurity makes you think too lowly of yourself. But in both cases, you're thinking too much of yourself. And that is the problem. Both arrogance and insecurity are different from confidence. It is different from true confidence. What does confidence mean? Confidence comes from these two words, con and fide. Con with fide, faith. Confidence is with faith. Now the question is, with faith on what? The better question is, with faith on whom? Should it be just yourself or should it be something or someone else? And we find this answer in, in the way the Lord answers Moses. Diba? Who am I? What does God say? I will be with you. And in the next objection that Moses gives, this is in verses 13 and 14, it says, But, said Moses to God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What do I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Then he added, This is what you will tell the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This is God's revealed divine name. I am. And this is where we get Yahweh. Yahweh means he is. So God reveals his name, I am, which is Ehyeh. But the, when we refer to him, we just we say he is. We don't say I am because we're not him. We say he is. That's Yahweh, he is. And so the name Yahweh, or if, if you see in your Old Testament, if you find yung all caps na the Lord, that's that's Yahweh um, being hidden behind behind the way that it's written. When you see in your Bible yung yung all caps na the Lord, that's Yahweh, and that's God's rev divinely revealed name, and it points to how His essence is existence. He is a being Himself. He is not someone that can be defined that easily. When we create definitions, diba? we set boundaries. This is what this means. And so God is not just loving. He is not just forgiving. He is not just merciful, although He is those things. He is not just those. He is. He is being Himself. He is being Himself. And then right after this, very cool, He introduces Himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So first He makes His declaration, I am who I am. And then He calls Himself uh, he says that I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And what we see here are two sides that, 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 uh, that are shown to us of, of God. He is both transcendent, beyond what we could ever imagine. And yet, at the same time, He is also relational. He is beyond what we could imagine, and yet He makes Himself known. He is both transcendent and relational. And I think this... This ties in neatly with, with how we look at arrogance and insecurity in contrast with confidence because th these are the two mistakes that we make, that we often make. The first mistake is we want God to do everything for us. 
The second mistake is we want to do everything ourselves. If you notice, diba, a lot of the, the things that people post about theism or atheism or what their experience of the Lord, it, it could fall into these two categories. First is we want God to do everything for us. God, I prayed for this. God, I was a good person. God, this and that. Why are you allowing suffering to happen? Why are you allowing evil to happen? Why is this not happening in my life? Why do bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people? These are expressions of the underlying thinking that we want God to do things. We want God to do everything for us. And yes, He does do things. But again, when God does something, oftentimes He does it through people. And that ties, again, with the second mistake, which is we want to do everything ourselves. We think everything is reliant upon ourselves. This is an extreme form of self-reliance. And we, we think that we should be independent and that we should be empowered and that we should be all of these things, which are not bad in the right context. But if you push God out of the equation and you think that you should carry everything as, as, as a burden on your shoulders, then... No wonder, no wonder we get tired, no wonder we're burnt out, no wonder we're cynical, no wonder we've stopped hoping and trusting. Because we were never meant to carry all of those by ourselves. The reality that we are being shown in the story of the scriptures and how God reveals himself to us is that he invites us not just to rely on him in the sense that we want to do, we want him to do everything and we should just, you know, lay around and, and just wait. At the same time, it's not that we are called to do everything ourselves and that he's just ordering us around, bossing us around. No, it's he invites us to partnership. It's both and. The Lord moves. And how does the Lord move? He calls people. Not because he needs us to do the things for him. He could very well do it himself. But because he invites us to participate. He wants us involved in the process because he loves us. Because he loves us. In the same way that a mentor, a parent, would involve his or her child in what they are doing, even though the involvement of the child would make the task more difficult, and yet the parent invites the child into participating in that task or chore, in that, in that leisure activity. Why? Because the time spent together is precious, and that is what will form the child also into growing and learning. Ah, this is how you do this. Ah, this is how, this is how that is done. And so God invites us into the process because he wants us involved, and that will result in our maturity, and that will result in the strengthening of our relationship with him. He invites us to partnership. It's not God doing everything himself. It's not us doing everything ourselves. It is a partnership between us and the Lord that we are being invited to. And this is what we see in Moses' objections. Who am I? God says, I will be with you. It's not I will do it for you. It's I will be with you. And that is important. And you see, Moses, you know, with the help of God or God inviting Moses to participate in this. The, the people of Israel were set free from slavery in a, in a wonderful, magnificent way. They, were, they, were, they, they find themselves walking to the promised land. And so they were in this wilderness for a certain time. And later on in the story of Moses, his fall actually also comes from this, this false understanding of partnership between him and the Lord. In Exodus 3, what we read a while ago, he was thinking of how he would do it. 
Diba? Who am I? And yet he thought that he was inadequate. But you see later on in the book of Numbers, which is the fourth book of the Bible, we find the fall of Moses, and this time he is still looking at himself, and yet he thinks that he is the one who's supposed to be doing things alone. He thinks that he is sufficient in himself. And so we read in Numbers chapter 20, verses 6 to 12. For context, this was during a time when the people of Israel were grumbling in the wilderness and the desert because they were looking for food and they were looking for water and some of them were very uh, hopeless. They wanted to go back to their place of slavery and yet there they are, you know, Moses paying attention to them, attending to their needs, talking to God on their behalf. And this is what happens. It says, Then the glory of the Lord appeared to them and the Lord said to Moses, Take the staff and assemble the community, you and Aaron your brother, and in their presence command the rock to yield its waters. Thereby, you will bring forth water from the rock for them and supply the community and their livestock with water. So Moses took the staff from its place before the Lord as he was ordered. Then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly in front of the rock, where he said to them, Just listen, you rebels. Are we to produce water for you out of this rock? Then, raising his hand, Moses struck the rock twice with his staff, and water came out in abundance, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not have confidence in me to acknowledge my holiness before the Israelites, therefore you shall not lead this assembly into the land I have given them. What happened? So the Israelites were asking for water. God says, Moses, speak to the rock and water shall gush forth. But what does Moses do? Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, he speaks to the people. And what does he say? He accuses them first, tells them, you rebels. And then what does he say? He says, are we to produce water for you out of this rock? As if he is the one producing water out of this rock. But he wasn't. God's asking him to call forth water from the rock. But ultimately, the water comes from the Lord, not from him. And so Moses lost sight of this partnership again. And because of his anger, impatience, maybe it was justified if you want to look at it that way. But because of that, he, he lashes out at the people of Israel, makes it about him instead of about the Lord. And he strikes the rock twice. Instead of speaking to the rock, he strikes the rock. Water gushes forth. But... What the Lord tells them afterward is, you did not have confidence in me, confide, with faith. You did not have confidence in me. You see, our confusion with arrogance and insecurity comes from a misunderstanding of humility. Arrogance is not the solution to insecurity. Now, if someone is ashamed, if someone doesn't believe in themselves, the proper response is to, oh, kaya mo yan, okay lang, lahat ng gawin mo, it's fine, as if, as if everything is fine, even though sometimes it really is not. And the solution to arrogance is not insecurity, as if we need to shame the boisterous to put them in their place. That, that's not the solution. You can't fight fire with fire. You can't fight arrogance with insecurity and insecurity with arrogance if we understand that they both come from the same place. Instead, what would help us is to have a proper view of humility. What do we mean by humility? Humility comes from the word humus, which means soil, the earth. It means ground. To have humility is to be grounded in truth 
in reality as things really are. Not to think too highly of ourselves, not to think too lowly of ourselves, but to think adequately of ourselves, grounded in truth and what is right. And that was, is it's what will enable us to believe in ourselves more if we understand that, that, that things are, as it is, really all right. That is also what will push us to correct certain parts of ourselves that are not in proper alignment. That is what will convict us to, to repent to the Lord when we have sinned because we acknowledge things as it is, as it is revealed by the Lord. Why do we need to take a look, to lo take a look at the Lord's perspective? Because the Lord is the one who created us and who would know better the heart of man than the one who formed it? To have humility is to have a proper view of reality, a proper view of truth, and that is only accessible to us in our relationship with the Lord, in our relationship with God. I've heard some people tell me about how they ask the Lord, Lord, I am not deserving. Lord, I am not enough. And, and, and I, I, could just, I could just imagine how God might be telling these people, all right, you're not deserving, you're not enough, but did I ever ask you to be? Did I ever ask you to be deserving? Did I ever ask you to be enough in and of yourself? Isn't that why I came here for you? Because you are not deserving, you are not enough. And so, like Moses, I will be with you. When we are too consumed with what we think we deserve, we miss out on what we have been freely given. The problem with thinking in terms of what is deserved and undeserved is that when we fail to meet it, there's shame. When we think we meet it, when we really do not, there's pride. But again, God never asked us to deserve Him. Instead, He asks us constantly to come home to Him. To receive Him in our lives, in our hearts, in our relationships with one another, in the careers that we're pursuing. He asks us to receive Him and to work with Him from there because He is. He is with us. So what can we do practically coming from here? The first thing that I would recommend is let's cultivate a life of prayer. Let's meet with Him constantly. Constantly. Put it on your schedule. If it helps, do it first thing in the morning if you can. Second thing, let's receive the sacraments regularly. These sacraments, these are gifts given to us by God through the church so that we could have a real encounter with Him. Let's not be afraid to receive it, especially confession and communion. So first, cultivate a life of prayer. Second, receive the sacraments regularly. And third, balance discernment with decision-making. Let's not be stuck with discernment and not make any decisions. And let's not be too reckless making decisions left and right without consulting it with the Lord. Let's ask for both courage and guidance from Him. Again, this is meant to be a partnership. And it helps to be plugged in, plugged in with Him and plugged in with His people. And that is what the church is for. So that's it. 
Thank you very much for listening all the way through. Again, if you believe in the work that we do here, please do support us by donating. You can go to ko-fi.com slash notsosecular. That's ko-fi.com slash notsosecular. The link will be in the description. Again, thank you very much for listening all the way through and I'll see you next episode. Bye!